the middle. The flip out of the glove to get the force play. What an effort there by Turner. Man, is he ever. Deep drive, back it goes. Wow. Wow, that was just smooth. Justin Turner with a grand slam. Yeah, I just, I think something that we really, really needed. Um, obviously an elite hitter. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously elite hitter, obviously big time um, player for our game, understands what it takes to win. Um, and I think we just need more of those guys in our clubhouse to, to obviously get us on the right track. I mean, we have the talent, now it's just, like I said, putting it all together, and I think he's obviously gonna be a very, very big piece to kind of do that. Wednesday morning, Fan Morning Show, Sports 959 The Fan, Ben Ennis, Brian Gunning. Yes, the Toronto Blue Jays did a thing. They finally filled that DH slot. Uh, Justin Turner, one-year deal worth 13 million bucks. Uh, that was also Chris Bassett on a podcast yesterday. Uh, echoing the sentiments of Bo Bichette. Said we need more adults in the room. Didn't say that explicitly. Mm. But that's the implication. Brent, this this move is, it's hey, it's it, Justin Turner's been... An NLCS MVP, mm -hmm. he's a World Series champion. He had a pretty good year at the mm -hmm. age of 38 with the Boston Red Sox a season ago. But this does feel like a move that was based a lot on vibes. The Toronto sports teams, they, they love their vibes. Ryan Reeves, I mean, Raptors ran back an entire season on the basis of vibes, and here the Blue Jays are with their vibey vibes. Well, let's hope this turns out better than the first two examples there. Uh, you know, Ryan Reeves, I know he got on the score sheet there, but I don't know that it's been a, uh, a rousing success mm. thus far. Uh, Justin Turner, I, I think, uh, will be depending on what your expectations are. It's not lost on me, not lost on many people that this move comes, what, a week-ish removed from Bo Bichette's public comments saying, you got, you go to the store, yeah. Mark and Ross, Can you pick me up. A can Justin you get Turner? me up a, a Justin Turner or a JD Martinez mm -hmm. and or both? Uh, and they oh, were like, you gave us the option for the cheaper guy. Yeah. They're like, Oh, okay. Here you go. Yeah. Uh, store brand it is. <laughs> yeah, and right. it's like, Hey, sometimes store brands good. <laughs> and uh, right. Justin Turner, even at 38 years old, pretty good. Uh, I was looking at some of the numbers heading into this, the idea of him taking a dip. Now I saw he was hurt at the tail end of last season. Mm -hmm. That obviously helps you there, but you mentioned it, the vibes, this is a guy brought in to be an adult. He's never capital W one, but he's been a winner. I mean, he has a World Series with the Dodgers. Remember I, in the COVID year? I was looking at it. So, oh, right, the 20 team. Okay. Again. I mean, he was famously no. the guy that came back on the field after he yes, was removed right. from oh, the game right. because okay. of COVID protocols. But again, as we talked about yesterday, it's like half a ring. Because, yeah. But he did it. He's been, more importantly, though, is that he has been on championship level teams teams with expectations teams that go into every single year expecting to win and clearly this is a team that needed that in terms of the production they need that as well but this group they've tried to do this before they've added adults in the room a Matt Chapman say what you will about mm. the year he had last year pretty adultish not adult enough I yeah. mean Justin Turner's about to be a man he's about to be 40 <laughs> that's right somebody get Mike uh, Mike Gundy uh, on on the phone so yeah I think it's a it's a nice move for the Jays it's far from the splashy sexy ones we were expecting or talking about at the beginning of free agency but 
Thank goodness they did something because I was getting sick and tired of talking about the maybes. Yeah, and uh, pitchers and catchers reporting in uh, like five minutes. Uh, February 15th is when they are required to report to Dunedin. So that is that is fast approaching. So it was, it was getting down to nut-cutting time for uh, the Blue Jays as far as adding to uh, this team, adding the, the, the one bat that it seemed like they were destined to add. Must be... Uh, nervous days for Matt Chapman and Cody Bellinger, who are still dangling out there, hoping to get their hundred plus million dollar deals from uh, somebody. And uh, and Scott Boris uh, working the phone lines uh, feverishly. I'm sure he's not sweating because he's already made his hundreds of say, millions of dollars. Gonna, the the money he has at stake losing from that deal is way less than <laughs> those guys. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Like so, literally a percentage. Uh, so here's the deal: Justin Turner, good. Justin Turner, mm. still good, despite, yeah, the declining numbers. Still 15% above league average park-adjusted totals last season with the Boston Red Sox at the age of 38 years old. Also, of the remaining DH candidates, of which we're talking about Jorge Soler and we're talking about J.D. Martinez. Um, Soler, you can play in a corner outfield spot, but you're not happy about it. J.D. Martinez, you don't want anywhere near a glove. Mm-hmm. Keep that glove away from that fella. They actually just give him the, like, flat glove mm-hmm. that infielders do work with sometimes where it's like you just want to get the hands moving. That's, yeah. what, that's what they give him. It's like, don't worry about it. Yeah, Blue Jays infielders love to work with that thing before the game. <laughs> um, so I think J.D. Martinez would have made you most excited about the on-field production because he's really good at producing on the field. And he's mm-hmm. 35 years old, which isn't. 39, which Justin Turner is. Um, but he also is a guy that that did not play 146 games that Justin Turner played a season ago. He had backstop. He was played just over 100 games last year. I think you would have been most excited about getting the highest upside of production from J.D. Martinez. And then secondarily to him, I think you could have been really excited about a 31-year-old Jorge Soler providing a bunch of pop and some walks, but also a guy that you're not too pleased about playing uh, in the outfield in the 30-some-odd games that he's going to play there for whoever. He's still available as well. I think if you're just going stat line for stat line for stat line, Justin Turner is the least inspiring of those three. But a guy that can play the one position still of need for this team that... I guess Isaiah Kiner-Falefa is going to play at third base. He played a bunch of first base a season ago, not necessarily a position of need for this Blue Jays team. And he played a little bit of second base. So he can work his way around the diamond on the couple of days a month that I guess George Springer needs Mm -hmm. a a day at DH or Vladimir Guerrero Jr. needs a day at DH. I think if you're bullish about this move, and I'm not like anti this move, but I think to get yourself in a spot where you're the most bullish about Justin Turner... You have to say, well, one, the first thing has to be vibes. Mm -hmm. The second thing has to be this guy has experience in this division. uh, And it's also always a a great thing to to take uh, a division rival away that fans of that fan base are devastated to lose. Mm -hmm. And the Red Sox fans, despite the aged. Uh, uh, the the age of 39 for Justin Turner this season, but they watched him at uh, 38 years old mm-hmm. in Boston. They are apoplectic that they couldn't bring him back on a on a one year deal. And then thirdly, clutchy clutchness. Mm. He's the numbers are pretty close to the career numbers as far as late and close, but they are higher. When the pressure rises, mm-hmm. Justin Turner has produced throughout the course of his career and does have an NLCS. MVP to his credit. He's been in big moments. 
He has performed in those big moments. He's going to now be asked to do so as either the oldest player in Major League Baseball, Joey Votto still sitting out there, um, or, or or one of the oldest players in Major League Baseball. Yeah, it's. I'm not going to sit here and oversell you on it. I think that you lay out the case pretty pretty well there. The idea of Turner and what he can bring, and the clutch part of this, I think, is really important to bring up because I know you've you've made this point a million times. I have as well. The idea of we think of clutch as this idea of, oh, does this guy turn into a superhuman when all the marbles are down? And, you know, those guys exist. I'm not going to tell you they don't, but they are so few and far between. For most people, what being clutch is, is just being able to be yourself in the most pressure-filled moments. And so I think you say that of, yeah, his numbers in the biggest moments, they're a touch higher than his baseline. Great. That's exactly what you want. And, hey, you know, we know that this isn't always a transferable thing. We have this argument, I don't know, in June, July, every single year of, why can't they get any hits with runners in scoring position? Is it a luck thing? Is it not? Well, let's put this to the test because Matt Chapman couldn't hide when there was a runner on base last year. It felt like every single time he came up sacks were juiced like there was no moment that Matt Chapman was at the dish that didn't feel impactful and if Turner is able to get five of those at bats you just feel so much so much better about it so that's an interesting part of it the idea positionally obviously you know this is a departure from what the team has talked about in the past not to say they haven't had guys like this but you look at last offseason it's we want more versatility we want guys who can play multiple positions and to your point Turner can but he's 39 years old, and yeah. I think the amount you can limit him in the field you'd want. Like, it's like, yeah, I can do some things. It doesn't mean hey, you listen, want me Edwin to. Encarnacion can play left field. Chris Colabello can play left field. Adam Lind can play left field. But do you <laughs> no. want it to No, happen? I'm good, yeah, actually. Right, no. I'm good on that. No, me too. Yeah, no, he can play third base, and he will play third base for the Toronto Blue Jays. In 2024, it's not a situation where you're you're all that pleased uh, about that happening. Now, I mean, I guess you're 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 okay with it if um, he produces, gives Blue Jays a lead in like the sixth and seventh inning, and you can replace him defensively with Isaiah Connor Falefa. You also aren't all that pleased with the level of offense you're likely to get out of Isaiah mm-hmm. Connor Falefa and the defense, which is good, but not Matt Chapman esque at third base. Anyway, it's not a perfect team, and it wasn't a perfect team last year, and they won 89 games. Um, and the offense wasn't good enough. And we're what we were told and what has come to, to, to fruition here is this is a team banking a whole lot on internal improvement. Um, and you can look at Justin Turner as um, an addition, but truly it's it's a like trying to return to form when you look at the removal of Brandon Belt, mm-hmm. who's still sitting out there in, in free agency. Brandon Belt... Um, made less than Justin Turner a season ago, but I think his, I mean, there were more question marks about his level of production going into last season than there are about Justin Turner, despite the, the age thing. Like well, the health was an issue too, Hugely right? an issue. And then, you know, the first couple of weeks, you did wonder, oh, is this going to be a sunk cost? Like at what point did the Blue Jays just cut bait on Brandon Belt? But here's the reality. By the end of the season, Brandon Belt was arguably the Blue Jays' most consistent and important hitter. Yep. Uh, and that's kind of uh, indictment of a lot around him. Yeah, that's that's more um, uh, damning with faint praise, right? Um, but Justin Turner comes. I mean, he, he becomes a part of this lineup that again is going to have um, playoff aspirations at the very least 
Here's how I feel about comparing the two. If you get a Brandon Belt level of production out of Justin Turner, you're doing backflips. Now, I expect Justin Turner to play more games than mm-hmm. Brandon Belt. Again, at 38 years old, played over 140 games with the Boston Red Nuts. Sox, playing in the field, a, not a bunch, but like Enough. N- not zero. Mm-hmm. Like over 40 times a, a season ago. Um, and most of it coming at first base, which, you know, I think we all think of that as being not as physically taxing as, as third base and Would second agree. base. But yeah, played second base and third base as well. If you get Brandon Belt level production from Justin Turner, yeah, that's way exceeding the expectations. But if you got Brandon Belt level production, you'd only be back to the level of production you got out of the DH spot a season ago where you underwhelmed offensively and you were only able to win 89 games. So it's, I don't want to. I don't want to be negative about this this whole offseason because, mm-hmm. yeah, I, do I think there's obviously room for improvement for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, less so Bobichet, but like a, a return to to health and and a world in which he can be healthy for six months of uh, of the season. And you know, George Springer, maybe that was just a, bl- a blip for him. And oh, Alejandro Kirk, yeah, he can take a step forward. Yeah, it's just, again, of all the options you had to fill that position, there is one guy that makes you feel like you've made an improvement, Mm -hmm. and that would have been J.D. Martinez, and I could have sold myself on the idea that it's also uh, Jorge Soler. Mm -hmm. That's not this guy. This guy is other things. This guy is, hey, you look at a guy that was a fixture for one of the premier franchises in Major League Baseball, Mm -hmm. guy who's come through in pretty pressure-packed and clutch moments in the history of recent Major League Baseball, but a guy who's... Baseball reference page honestly isn't going to blow you out of the water. Yeah, no, it's it's not. You know, the you mentioned the in room for internal improvement there. Obviously, all I go all eyes go to Vlad, and I know we want to talk about him here in a second. But where else is that? And I, I'm with you. Like, I think Justin Turner is a nice ad. It's troublesome that he's the star ad of your offseason. And you know, I know Kiermaier's back, and they go and get Rodriguez. Uh, we'll see what happens with that arm there, but. That's the thing. In a world where we're talking about, for five minutes, talked about a Juan Soto trade until everyone got all excited about Shohei, and we don't need to relitigate all that, but there was a chance for improvement at that scale, and now it's, hey, maybe you get 140 games out of the nice DH bat you got instead of whatever it was out of belt. So I think the Turner edition is a fine one. It's a nice one. I just think it's... I won't say too little too late because there's definitely a roadmap to this team having a successful season, but in an off season where there was such grandiose, I won't even say expectations, but possibilities is you're sitting there going, Oh, okay. Justin mm-hmm. Turner. It's nice. I'll take it. Mm-hmm. But it, it hardly feels like, you know, what, what you had at your disposal. So uh, uh, other than Vlad, cause let's just park him for a second here. I suppose maybe you think there's more consistency to come from Bo if you think there's improvement there. Like, I'm with you. I think that we've seen what this player's capable of. I mean, in his his, his, his two previous healthy seasons, he led the American League in hits, and he was leading the American League in hits before he got hurt at the end of the season. Right, so that's why I mean by consistency. Like, maybe you get that over more games, but I don't know that you're seeing that much better of a player, and I don't say that as a knock on Bichette. I say it as a compliment that he's already reached there. Obviously, the Varsho thing we've talked about to death, do you think Kirk has some big bounce back coming? Maybe Jansen health is always the issue for him. Those kind of feel like the guys that I'm looking at and saying, okay, that's where the internal improvement. I mean, again, Vlad is obviously the star of that, but it's really just kind of Varsho, Kirk, Jansen are the guys I look at. Maybe you're a bigger believer in what Schneider could be or Biggio or somebody along those lines, but that's kind of the way I look at that. Yeah. 
Uh, and it, it, it's George Springer is like the, the huge hinge point, the guy that has shown proof of concept the most and who, who took the biggest step backwards, really, and kind of the we, we, we throw in a different bucket, I mm-hmm. think, than Alejandro Kirk and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Totally. and Dalton Varjo just because of the age thing. And That's I think, where I'm at, yeah. I think people, and not, not wrongly, look at a guy who's 34 years old who has, you know, it's a significantly down year after a down year the previous year, it's like, oh, well, here's a guy in decline, which may be happening. Um, he's also not 39 years old, and yeah. Justin Turner somehow made it work into his late 30s. So I don't discount the possibility of a bounce back for uh, for George Springer. Last thing on, like, what the Blue Jays have done with the DH spot. Mm. Again, Justin Turner wouldn't have been my number one choice. I don't dislike the player. I think it's... Um, Would you say it's cromulent? Yeah, sure. Mm, I, I would feel strong for you. Yeah, it's uh, no. It actually feels insulting to the okay, player to call right. him Cromulent. Okay, because he was just trying he was to a, get a just trying to get a baseline, Ben. Yeah, no, he's better than that. Again, he was fifteen percent better than league average OPS, um, and and good with an OPS around eight hundred for the Red Sox a season ago. Uh, pretty good hitter's ballpark. But yeah, his splits on the road were pretty similar to the ones at home a season ago. He's he's good, but yeah, the baseline is not. What you got from Brandon Belt uh, a season ago at the very same position. It's the Blue Jays are likely done because you look at the payroll and where they are and the, the first tax threshold and yada yada yada. The payroll's already back to, to where we were a season ago. Mm-hmm. And that's the, they're probably out on Matt Chapman, which was like a, an interesting proposition for a that's, hot moment there. That's okay. Uh, and Cody Bellinger, it seems like they were never seriously in on. Looks like he's going back to the Chicago Cubs. And it does feel like the Angels are in on Joey Votto. It does feel like somebody is going to sell themselves on Joey Votto and, and the number of home runs he hit a season ago and him working his way back into playing shape, coming off the surgery that he did, that that he's an everyday option for somebody at DH. I How will, excited are you for your victory lap after he has a hot six weeks at some point in time in the I season? I mean, victory lap. Like, I don't think I'm claiming that Joey Votto is is going to be okay. Victory lap, but like Joey you, Votto again. You'd be happy to see that. Yeah, like sure. Who spot. wouldn't? What Canadian baseball fan wouldn't want to see Joey Votto at 40 years old uh, rejuvenate his career, uh, prove that he's not in fact done, and maybe come back for a, uh, a, a age 41 season? But that's the type. Like, and I know. For his career, Justin Turner has hit righties just as well as he's hit lefties. Would have been nice to have like a little righty-lefty diversification. If there was, if you're rolling the dice on one 39-year-old, sure. that's one thing, sure. and it's only a one-year deal. And if hey, if Justin Turner proves that he's a pumpkin now, and and you have to move off him, it'll hurt, and you'll have to backfill that position. But you can do it as much as you know, 13 million bucks is 13 million bucks. One year or 13 million bucks. If you could ha- take a couple of shots with a couple of guys in that age bracket. I would have loved the idea if Joey Votto's market wasn't that of uh, somebody taking a roll of the dice on a 40-year-old guy on an everyday roster spot position as the DH and he just accepted his fate at this point Mm -hmm. that he's like maybe a late game DH that he gets the occasional start against righties. Like I would love the backup plan of a Joey Votto type. Like Justin Turner and Joey Votto. Now you got something. Justin Turner, all right, you got something. But it's not something. It would have been something to get 
Justin Turner and Joey Votto. Yeah, I would have I would have been here for it in a strictly platoon possible like role world. I just the it couldn't we, have been a platoon thing because you're not only no, starting no, Justin Turner against left. No, I understand pitching. what you mean. Putting Votto in his best spots. I shouldn't say platoon, but putting Votto in in good spots there. That's the role I can see it. Honestly, I know the Angels have been kicking tires there. I'm still not ruling out the possibility of that. The idea of this thing getting into spring and. You know, he misses it. He really wants it. The Jays and him have, you know, they've been in contact or there's been, not to say they've been in contact, but there's always been this idea or hope sure, of one I, day. I bet you they've been in contact. About the idea of it happening. I'm I'm not, I'm not pouring dirt on it even for this year yet. I would be, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be overly surprised, I should say. Yeah, I like Spencer Horowitz. I'd, I'd love Joey Votto in the Spencer Horowitz role for mm-hmm. 2024. That'd be fine. Like, yeah. I don't know if Joey Votto, that's what he's, he's thinking He's he is mm-hmm. this season uh, future Hall of Famer that he is. He probably does believe that he showed enough at the end of last season and with the power that he can get an everyday spot. But if he can't, I mean, that would be an ideal spot. I think the Blue Jays could find themselves uh, in if uh, one, you know, an injury occurs to Justin Turner and two, you need a, a late game pinch hit. Uh, who better than Joey Votto? All right. Uh, Have a Matt Stairs s uh, run in his in his late career. That'd be yeah. Great. Uh, Justin Turner is pretty uh, active on social media as well. An X, you can follow him at, at RedTurn2. Um, he just posted a season ago, reposted. Mm. Used to be called retweeting. He reposted ML, at MLB's tweet of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. being your 2024 MLB The Show cover star. That's, that's right. The, he is the cover star for the game... End of sentence, period. When mm. I first saw this, I thought, oh, okay, well, yeah, he's like the cover star for the Canadian version mm-hmm. of the game, which has happened before, right? Yep. Like, there's two separate versions, and, you know, people in this country get a, a Blue Jay star on on the front of their game, whereas, you know, the United States, the larger market, yeah. gets some different star who's not as marketable maybe yeah. to Canada, or the Canadian star is not as marketable to the United States. No, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is the cover Boy, for all of North America, the world, when it comes to MLB The Show, which is, you know, it's it's a pretty big deal. And it's not like the Madden thing where it's like you you want to be that guy, but there's like a, a there is a loose curse, curse associated yeah. with that. Like Aaron Judge has been on the thing. I don't think Bryce Harper's been on that thing. I don't I don't think it's hurt those guys' career no. too much. It's been fine. Fernando Tatis Jr., though. Yeah, okay, sure. I, I think you need a more consistent run of, of guys having... Was Jazz Chisholm good last year? Yeah. 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 Okay. That was him. I don't know. It's, you yeah. tell me. It's, uh, yeah. Not in line with those other two guys as far as stars of the game. <laughs> Anyways, but uh, a return to form as far as Vlad Jr., I don't discount the fact that he is one of the bigger names in the sport, but it does surprise me, and you tell me, Brent, if you disagree with this. It surprises me... That still like the blank, like the the general sports fan, the general baseball fan would look at him on the cover of their video game. And I guess the implication here is that nobody looked at his baseball reference page <laughs> since 2021. Because like if you did, you'd be like, oh, the guy that was like barely above league average from an offensive perspective at like a very premium offensive position, probably not worthy of this. Like this is not to say that he can't again be worthy of it in 2021. Super worthy of it. I guess I'm a little surprised that, yeah, on name recognition alone, 
he's he's a guy that's on the face of the most visible baseball sports video game in the world. Yeah, forget the back of the baseball reference page. What about, and I guess it'd be the front because there's no back of a web page, but the back of a baseball card. Watch the games, nerd. It's like, have you seen his years since that fateful season? I am... I'm kind of of two minds because at first blush, I was like you. I assume this was a Canadian or even even an international edition, right? Like, obviously, you know, there's a lot of ties here. He's born here, but, you know, we know, we know, uh, you know, where he hails from and all of that as well. And the kind of super, or, you know, global touch he has in that regard. So I was with you. I thought of that I'm not. This is something that I think has always been kind of part of the push and pull of Vlad and wanting more from him is that. You go talk to, you know, like we, we've we been lucky enough to do, you'll do shows at the Jays Care golf tournaments or Carter Classic, and it's like you talk to ex-players and, oh, this Vladdy's team, this Vladdy's team, it's Vladdy's team, and it's like I'm, Bobachet is right there, and it is just this. Now, part of it is the bloodline, the lineage. Part of it is the way he burst on the scene with that season. Some of it's the moments he's had, the Montreal moment, but like, I thought that was just for us. Did other people care about that way more than, or it was like a welcome to the big leagues moment for him? I am surprised, but go down to a Jays game. It's like, who's the Jays' best player? It's Bobachet, it's Kevin Gosman, or at least over the last year and a half, two years. But it's all Vladdy jerseys. And not to say those guys aren't represented, but it is overwhelming. 27 on the backs of people you see down there. And I just think that that has been part of the problem of when you say you need more from this player, you need more from this player. He is being told that every kind of, and not to say there aren't people saying you need to care about your craft or whatever, but at every turn he's being told he's great. You're the next one. You're going to Cooperstown. So I am surprised that he is viewed that way by the public at large, I guess is how baseball sees it. But within the game, I feel like even despite the kind of down years he's had, he still has that cachet. Yeah, and Bo Bichette, while he didn't finish uh, with the most hits in the American League a season ago, he has the third most hits in all of baseball over the last three years and the most hits of any American League hitter over the last three years. And he has produced like yeah but like they're not going to put Luisa rise on the cover of of the game right no but bobachet is not Luisa rise no but i think i again i'm thinking of like public sentiment and i know it's like what a baseball people care about but i think when people think of a hit king in baseball i mean Mm -hmm. like pete rose is literally the first thing that came to my mind there but batting titles things of that nature the fact that he did it in both leagues like that and i'm not saying that to to denigrate bo i'm just saying that the idea of this player gets a lot of hits that's always been respected in baseball, but it's checking the long ball. Like it's the, what are the sexiest numbers? Yes. Hits matter, but you want a guy who hit 73 home runs over the last three years. Too. Yeah. But right. he doesn't, but he doesn't feel like that type of player. Okay. So this is where I disagree. Yeah. Okay. Like, and I, I don't want to like, so discord where it doesn't exist. I can just Please. say again, like I, this, this is where I would, I just put my own, uh, sensibilities sure. into the situation. How would I feel if I'm Bo Bichette, who I arrived at the exact same time? I also have, like, Major League pedigree. Like, mm-hmm. my dad's not a Hall of Famer. He's a pretty notable player, though, yep. Dante Bichette. He's been around the game, yep. right? He's a hitting coach. Mm-hmm. And people know Dante Bichette. Yep. It's not... I'm not comparing no. Dante Bichette to Vladimir Guerrero Sr., who is literally <laughs> in the Hall of Fame yeah. and one of the most flamboyant, exciting players mm-hmm. of his era, both defensively... Off his shoes and... Yeah, and, and the way he swung at everything and made contact with everything. Like, that's... Yeah, and that, that has to be, I guess, the number one selling point if you're talking about why Vlad Jr., despite 
the relative lack of production, considering the hype, has been as popular as he is. But Bo Bichette has backed up the hype with a level of production that's very different than Vlad Jr. He also produced in 2021, but he also produced in 2022 and 2023 and 2020 and 2019. Like he has, since he stepped onto a major league baseball field, been really good. Like the meeting expectations, exceeding them. And then every time he's doubted defensively, he's responded by taking steps forward in that regard. He's a playable defensive player at the most premium defensive position and he hits he's produced every single season if i if you ask me who the best player on the blue jays is it's like not even a hesitation that it's bo bichette i i think most people in that clubhouse would give you the same answer if i'm him am i not like scratching my head a little bit like oh what why why are you the breakout superstar of this group and why isn't it me? Because, I mean, he also has, like, pretty interesting look, got the mm-hmm. long hair. Yeah, and yeah. Again, Bo the flow. name. Like, shouldn't Bo Bichette be the breakout? Like, if there's a, a breakout star of the Blue Jays, shouldn't it be Bo Bichette? It should be, but hype is so hard to overcome at a certain point. But Bo had hype, too. Not to the degree Not that to the Vlad... level. That's it. It's, it's, it is the starting That's point. That's what he's... So that we're living off, like, the Vlad hype? Well, I think that, I think it's it's not any one thing. You mentioned his father there. The, you know, in one of the stories I was reading about, I think it was in the ESPN story, they mentioned that... It's like, you know, he knew he was getting the cover before this happened, but he walks into a room and his dad's there and he's got his cover of the game. I don't think you can overstate that part of it, the bloodlines in in the sport. And I just think that when you come into the game as a famous player, like he, I guess that's the difference is Boba Shed had hype of, hey, this is a, this is an exciting baseball prospect. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And feel free to tell me I'm wrong about this. He felt like a famous baseball player. From the time I saw him, you know, I saw pictures of him with, what is it, like the Bluefield Blue Jays or whatever. They, like, the before he was even a double-A New Hampshire, he felt like a famous baseball player. And mm-hmm. Bichette felt like a really nice prospect that was coming up, and you you would have dreamed he could have become this. All he's done is exp- exceed expectations. But I think that's the difference is just the starting point. And yeah. I don't think – and I think the other difference, too, is you kind of touched on at the very beginning of this, is how we consume baseball. Not now. This has been how we've consumed baseball for 20 years. Is that unless you're a Jays fan, you're not you're not sitting there going, oh God, I need more from Vladdy. Like, yeah, if he's on your fantasy team or something, you think of it in that way. But I think that we think of a lot of times, again, because you worry about your team, you worry about your division. If you're a Rangers fan, okay, maybe that's a bad example because they were they were kind of scrapping with the Jays for wild card spots there. But if you're a a White Sox fan or a Padres fan or a Dodgers fan for that matter. I think you think of Vladdy as, oh yeah, I remember he came in, he had the big year. And then you don't think about him again. You don't read, you're not reading a story about his swoons or him sulking in the dugout. And I think that's the difference is that all the stuff we've kind of lived through with him over the last two years, everyone else hasn't like, oh, he won the home run derby. He's great. I don't know what you all are talking about. I think there's a lot of people that look at Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And it's, this isn't like an MVP award. It is. It's like, yeah, you, you get to be on the, on the cover of the video game. Most famous person. Well, that's it. You get to be on the cover of the video game because you're a famous person. You're, it's a great point about Vladdy being famous before he arrived at the the major league level. But yeah, I think most people who who maybe are not as plugged into the overall baseball of it all 
and like playing the game and 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 understand the names, the big names. And just, you told them, hey, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is on the cover. And they're like, that makes sense. It's like, what, what do you think he did last year? They're like, oh, he probably hit like 35, 40 homers yeah. and had an OPS of like 900. And they're like, no, no, he didn't. <laughs> I think they'd be surprised at that. I agree. And also maybe Bo doesn't care. Maybe, I mean, that it is. I, I, I see a lot of Vlad Jr. and George Springer commercials on yeah. my TV. I don't see nearly as many Bo Bichette commercials. Like maybe there is. Like if Bo Bichette did care, like if this right. was something he's like, ooh, why? Why isn't my star right. as on the rise from a, a, a fame perspective? Mm-hmm. Uh, why? Why is it pale in comparison to to those two guys? I'm sure there's steps he could take to be more visible, and maybe it starts with like doing a, an interview yeah. with Blair and Barker, like he did last week. Maybe, maybe we're going to see that, and you know, it certainly wouldn't hurt a guy who's a couple of years away from mm-hmm. free agency. But it does. He does seem like kind of a shine reserved guy, at least more than than Vlad. I don't think this irks him, uh, and not that they're doing this anytime soon. Because why would you? Why would you open yourself to more discord and angst than you'd want to? But if the Blue Jays were like the Red Sox, circa Jason Veritek era, and they had like a C on the jersey, I feel like that would bother Bo. Mm-hmm. The idea of somebody else being seen as the defined leader on. You know, and I don't think he looks at it as only his team, but I guarantee you he looks at it as his team. That type of stuff feels like it would bother Bo a lot. And this, this has been the dichotomy of the two of them all along, right? We talked about it all the time that go back to the, the oh, those, those god-awful, unserious Blue Jays who just hit so many home runs. How dare they? But that was always the dichotomy of those teams, right? It's like you had Vlad and his buds yucking it up, and then Bo, it's like he's doing push-ups and, and getting locked in in the dugout. They're just two very different guys in terms of how they're wired. So I don't think this would bother him, but I think if it was much more of a, to your point, if it was a team MVP award or something mm-hmm. along those lines, then, yeah, I think that would get his back up a little bit. But this, I don't, I don't, you know, it's like... Yeah. Okay. Take your fame. Yeah. You can have your fame. You know what will make produce, me famous? Yeah. Yeah. Producing. And listen, I respect the hell out of him if, if that's the case. Wholeheartedly agree. Uh, out of that ESPN article that you mentioned, uh, yeah, Vlad did something along the lines of, hey, this is my year, which it seems like is a recurring theme with him. But yeah. Don't he, don't say it. Just do it. Yeah. No. But I mean, if you're asked the question, you have to say it. It's going to be either Vlad Jr. is back or Vlad Jr. stayed behind. But I'm focused on what I have to do as, as far as this upcoming season. That's fine. And I actually yeah, asked a direct question. Do you, do you answer it? I will say I, I think that it's important to give that context because I think that there's a big difference between the bluster of this is my year And understanding that this is kind of a hinge point, forget about the team for half a second, but just for him. He's going to be one year away from free agency after this, the big Mm -hmm. deal. We've had the conversations, you know, two years of down year after an MVP caliber season is one thing. Three is a completely different animal. So I think that's the interesting part of that quote is that he realizes this kind of a a hinge point for him. Yeah, for sure. Um, To me, there was... An actual, like, real newsworthy part of that interview as well that maybe went under the radar. Uh, He said, quote, one of the things that mostly got my way last year was health. And later in the article, it's paraphrased, you know, we know about the wrist injury Mm -hmm. that caused him to miss a couple of games. But also talking about a knee thing after the home run derby that hobbled him a little bit. And, boy, I feel like I've been overly negative about Vlad, and I don't mean to be so. And the the people understand the, the reason I'm... I feel this way is because I saw the the production in the minor mm-hmm. leagues. I bought into the hype. I saw the 2021 season. I know it's in there, and it's just been confusing why it hasn't been more consistent. But you got to say, 
the, the guy posts. He plays baseball games at not 100%. And I think Vlad rightly points out in the piece as well that, like, that's just the nature of the game. And, you know, we think of it as not as physically taxing as other sports because it's, like, not a contact sport. But you're playing every day, and there's no doubt there's a wear and tear that, that goes into that for every single Major League Baseball player. Here are the the games totals for Vlad since the 60-game season in 2020 where he played all 60. 161, 160, and last year, considering the two injuries he suffered, 156. A guy shows up and and plays, which is not something that you should just sweep under the rug. Like the counting stats are all consistent because he plays a full season. He, he just... He does not go on the shelf for any prolonged period of time. Yeah, I think the, to me, I'll be honest, the thing I took more of that is that I should appreciate that aspect of his game more than, because I'll be honest, I'm not, I am not poo-pooing that the knee bothered him after the All-Star break, but I feel like we've heard this from 30% of all players who had a down season, that there was injury X or this, and hey, like, prove me wrong, or I should say, prove yourself right. Show me that that's what the issue was there, but I think that was the thing that it illuminated for me, the idea of of in a sport where, you know, we take injuries for granted. Again, Bichette, like, I'm not I'm not saying he's the worst player for it, but look at the games he missed last year. Look at what that did to the team when he missed those games. Go back two years ago, George Springer at a crucial, crucial point in the season. Was he going to be able to come back? These are all things that, that matter in a big, big way. And, you know, I know it's maybe a little less consequential with a guy like Vlad just because of the nature of the position that it feels like you always have a couple extra first baseman DH bats. But guess what? If he is anything close to what he's supposed to be, you don't have anything extra poking around that's anything remotely close to what he is. So I think that was what I kind of took out of that. I was, I'll admit, I did give a little less credence to the the knee bothering him. I'm not saying it's not true, but what I took out of that was you do have to give the player credit for that. And I do think it's something that we do just kind of shove under the rug. Yeah. Um, and obviously the the team is part of the decision making on this process. But yeah, like would Vlad uh, Vlad Junior's numbers look a whole lot better if he just took a you know a couple of weeks if, on, uh, if the uh, Raptors on the in, injured list if it was the Raptors sports science department and not the khakis in, in charge. Although yeah. the khakis feel pretty, I got to be honest, they feel pretty protective. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I'm I'm sure if that would if there was a legitimate argument to be made that hey this guy would really benefit from being on the shelf for a bit and when he comes back he's going to be the best version of himself. I'm sure that's what they would have done, but uh, I'm sure the player as well pushed back to that possibility. All right, when we come back, is it too late for Darko Ryakovic to get uh, Coach of the Year uh, award votes? Probably. Yes! Uh, But the Raptors did win a basketball game without good players, so kudos to them. Uh, We'll talk about that and more next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Van Morning Show, Sportsland 590, the fan, Ben Annis, Brian Gunning. Good for you, Raptors. Snapped a five-game losing streak with a uh, 118-107 win over DeMar DeRozan, Chicago Bulls. Uh, Raptors had no R.J. Barrett. They had no Emmanuel Quickly. And they still have no Jakob Pertl. The centerpiece. He could be working his way back to a return maybe as early as Friday against the Rockets. Gary Trent Jr., uh, Jordan Wara 
combining for 10 threes. Jordan Wara, mm-hmm. who we didn't even we barely talked about as being one of the trade acquisitions. Okay? Yeah. Former second-round pick, his pending restricted free agent. Uh, he's had trouble cracking some rotations of some, like, not title contenders mm-hmm. over the course of his career. But a guy that can score has a career three-point shooting percentage in around the 40s. And, boy, mm-hmm. almost had, like, a thunderous dunk yesterday. Um, but, yeah. He, on the defensive side of the ball, it's the work in progress, I think, to, to say the least. Uh, this is so we, nothing's changed, okay? We're still in the hey, wins and losses don't matter, and that we haven't really been told explicitly which way we're supposed to root for as far as the top six protected pick and whether wins are bad or good. So I guess there it's hard not to feel like meh about the whole thing, but I guess. In a world where we're still evaluating Darko Ryakovich, is it not impressive that without all the like good players on this team, uh, that they almost beat a Hawks team that beat LeBron James yesterday with those same cast mm-hmm. of characters and did beat a Bulls team that is in a play-in tournament spot in the Eastern Conference? Should we give him his flowers? I don't want to poo-poo Coach Darko. I've been... This is bad, bad place for a uh, sports opinion guy to live, but I've been very mushy middle on coach Darko. I don't think he is some dreadful coach. I don't know that he is the second coming of a culture setter. I'm still very much. The jury is still out for me. And that's why I have a hard time with the game like last night. Cause I want to sit here and give him credit for all the reasons you just laid out. And, you know, I know there was actually like a little clip of him going around actually like working, you know, NBA head coaches don't usually do this. He was like defending Gary Trent Jr. in a drill. So I don't know, maybe he does deserve a little credit, but if Gary Trent Jr. makes two or three less of those threes, Jordan Noir doesn't have the night he has. We feel very differently about this game, like make or miss league. And that's kind of the problem I've had with talking about this Raptors team this year is that. Yeah, if Gary Trent Jr. is going to knock down his open looks, if Grady Dick is going to start to give you some semblance of that as well, and, you know, you see it last night with a guy like Noara, if you if this team makes its shots, you can see a very different version of this team, but that is just about, not all of them, but that's just about every team in the NBA. They got a couple sharp shooters, and it kind of depends how they are on that night. Now, it's not to say that every team can be like this. The Raptors have a higher end, I think, available to them than some of these other also-rans, but I don't I don't look at last night as a, you know, a big tick in the win column for Coach Darko because Gary Trent Jr. was 6 of 11. Yeah, it's weird times, right? And there's a lot of guys, and it's, I know it's it's stupid and it feels like it's, it's you know, this is an obvious take, but it is worth remembering that all of these guys that have made it to the NBA level are insane basketball players and so capable good. of going off on any given night. The idea is doing it on a consistent basis. But yeah, when there's no pressure to win, which there isn't in Toronto, and you get a long runway and it's all about development, you can you can go off and 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 have an incredible offensive game. It's can you do it like when it matters mm-hmm. and against good teams. So yeah, I I, I don't take everything away from that that performance yesterday. But hey, again, if you're throwing logs on the, hey, Darko Ryakovic is actually showing you something, fire. Uh, Raptors recording at least 25 assists in a 30th straight game that ties an NBA record. That was one of his edicts coming in. Also, he is without, like I said, no R.J. Barrett, no Emmanuel Quickly, who are huge parts of the future going forward. And to a lesser extent, Jakob Pertl, who it's, it's weird, the discourse around him, or at least my thinking around him. Uh, let me know if you disagree. So like, I'm usually not shy to. Uh, so 
not changing my opinion on the giving up of a first-round pick for a guy who's good but not great, and that Raptors team at the time was barely good and certainly not great and worse this year. Like that, that's, that was a bad move. That was a bad move for this team in its stage of development. But should be said, when he arrived, Raptors were better. They were 15 and 10. And since he's departed, it's really coincided with the Raptors losing all the vibes. Now, Pascal Siakam has also since been traded. But remember his final game? Do you know what it was? His final I don't, game I before don't. getting injured? is the Warriors game. No. Which was like, holy a cow. Smashing, and yeah. like still understanding that the Warriors were a diminished version of themselves and, and uh, Draymond Green had not yet returned. But the Raptors won that game and they were three and one since the OG trade. And I I know personally, and maybe this is like, maybe you can make fun of me for this. I was like, I kind of want to see this play out a little bit longer with Pascal Siakam. And he's probably mm. going to be cast overboard because you're not like a championship t- level team. And you're not going to pay him the max that he's probably capable of getting out there in free agency and you're not going to let him walk for for nothing just like you did Fred Van Vliet. Mm -hmm. But after that, things fell absolutely apart and part of it is, you know, they got some bad officiating uh, in Mm -hmm. Los Angeles against the Lakers. Part of it is like Pascal Siakam was physically traded since that point. But yeah, it, it is pretty crazy that this team hasn't gotten to see the the good young players that are going to be on this team when they're good with the really only viable center and Jonte Porter goes out mm-hmm. yesterday with an injury as well like yeah it, it is he's it was a bad move to acquire Jakob mm-hmm. Pearl no doubt wouldn't have done it and then you know locking him up for four years and almost eighty million dollars also probably going to prove to be not ideal but he is like outsized important if you want to win basketball games, which again, I don't know if the Raptors do, but he's, he's like good. And, and this Raptors team might be having different results. If he was in the lineup, I joke, I joke when I say it, but I don't know that I should be like he is and he shouldn't be, but he feels like kind of the centerpiece to unlocking all of this Raptors. And I don't mean long-term, like, I don't think, I don't think when you close your eyes and even if you're the biggest believer in Scotty, RJ and quickly that you think that it's going to be Jakob really, truly, you know, at the helm of this thing. But we talked about this all throughout vision six, nine, you need guys at other ends of the spectrum too length and versatility and being able to shoot. Those are all great things. And you want switchable defenders, You still need some guards who can handle the ball, and you still need some bigs that can kind of man the paint so you don't get smoked on the glass every single night. And, yeah, you mentioned Porter goes out too. It's like, that's it. That's all they got. God love Chris Boucher, but he's not exactly a big when you close your eyes and and think one there. So I just look at the Pirtle thing as, you're right. Do you want to give up a first-round pick for the player? No, honestly, in the grand scheme of things, no. You definitely don't want to do it if you immediately have to pay him which they did, but I also think that you cannot get a true handle on what this team is going to be, at least in the medium-term future, until you see it play out with him, and you really haven't got a chance to do that, to your point, because I felt differently about it with the version of the Raptors after the trade with Siakam. I was still saying, get this guy out of here, because I do want to see what it looks like ultimately, and then 
the second he was gone, Pirtle's out, and you don't really have a chance to to see it. So that's the thing. I don't think we can have a true referendum on what this what this core is or how well those guys can go together. And I just want to be clear, it doesn't have to be Jakob Pirtle. It could have been some other competent center X, but he's the one who's here. He's the one you paid for, so you got to see it with him. Yeah, he's the only guy they got that that is going to play that position at that level. Uh, Scotty Barnes, his three-point attempts have been down significantly. Also, since Jakob Pirtle has been out, he only attempted three yesterday. It was over three. It was only four or 14 from the field, but man, he made some plays and like won them the game with God. a rocket hit pass to, to dad young, uh, who uh, is eight of 13 and like playing the role of, I guess, five on this Raptors team, despite yeah. the fact that he's what, like six, 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 seven, yeah, and but like it, uh, 200 pounds. But I, I don't know how NBA math works, but some, once you turn like, Old and yes. whatever that is in the NBA, you gain like you you're six seven, but you can play as though you're at least six eleven. I don't know the, how the math yeah. works, but it just has through all throughout time. In another incarnation of of guy that is has been tasked with being the next one for a team and next face of the of the league, not just of a franchise of the league. Another player might be just like attempting thirty field goals a game, right? And just like hey. Yep. There's nobody. Why would I pass well, especially it? without RJ and quickly, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I'm, I guess you can make a counter argument that like, oh, well, if you are that guy, maybe you should start like trying to show it. But that's not. I don't think Scotty Barnes is ever going to be the guy that that attempts nope. the 30 field goals in a game and like goes off for 80 points, right? And some of the insane point totals that we've seen this season. So I think there is an an encouraging element to to his game that he's not the leading field goal attempter. And every, it was a pretty egalitarian offense uh, yesterday. You'd certainly like the percentage to be high, but like this is a guy that stuffs the sh- stat sheet and is able to distribute. And it takes what the defenses give him. Mm-hmm. And he made some incredible passes late in that game. The the vision he showed in that game. The other thing I think you really, really like to see out of him last night is that despite the turnover number kind of ending up uh, where, where it was and ends up at five, that didn't that didn't neuter his desire or ability to make difficult passes, and you need him to make difficult passes for this team to be great. Uh, I do wonder if there's a world where the shot's falling a little earlier on, and to your point, I don't think he's a player who forces things, but if it's there for him, mm-hmm. uh, I think he will take it. And just to bring the conversation back to where we first started it, that I will give as a a bit of a check mark or a cherry to coach Darko. I'm not, I'm going to also give Scotty Barnes a lot of credit for that, but you mentioned the assists. If, if we're to believe the vibes and cultivating a culture and, you know, shared responsibility and all of that, were a key, key tenant of this. Mm-hmm. I think it's safe to say, and, and it's entirely possible. The player just had that in him all along and, you know, coach, coach Darko has emboldened him even more, but I think it does, it, you do get a, a, you know, a positive check for the coach there that, a young star player who, let's be honest, if he wanted to just say, nah, my show tonight, nobody would have really killed him for it. I mm-hmm. think it's a, it's a plus for the coach that you're not seeing it. Yeah, he hasn't shown an ounce of selfishness. Yeah, that's a term we, we heard a lot uh, over the last couple of years, and I think generally it was not directed in uh, his uh, vicinity, but yeah. Uh, he maybe heard that and uh, has it. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not, not something that's an issue, at least recently. All right, when we come back, is this the most important Blue Jay season since 2015. Uh, there's a lot of internal reasons to believe that's the case, and now an external reason. We'll get into that and more next as the fan morning show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.